to Crossview Radio Weekly Podcast for Wayne County. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We exist to glorify God by exalting Christ and magnifying the gospel for the joy of all nations. Last week, we uh, took a little uh, look at uh, the idea that vertical forgiveness paves the way for horizontal forgiveness and that you will never be required to forgive more than you've been forgiven. And if I want to know how I ought to forgive, I ought to go to the message of the cross itself and see how God has forgiven us. He forgave us while we were still sinners. That is to say, while we were his enemies, he forgave us. But I told you that this week I wanted to be a little bit more practical. And so uh, that's what I plan on doing. Um, As a reminder, orthodoxy always paves the way for orthopraxy. That is to say, correct belief always paves the way for correct conduct. Um, I don't know how I ought to behave. I don't know, in, in our present example, I don't know how I ought to forgive if I don't know the right theology uh, underneath that. And so that's why I always like to to start with um, more of a theological foundation and then uh, get into the practical. As a side note, we ought to be very careful, I I think, in guarding our hearts against the temptation to uh, to say this, well, why does all this theology matter? You know, I believe in Jesus. Isn't that enough? And what's misleading about that notion is that if it were not for the theology, I wouldn't know about Jesus. And so, uh, so that's why you know I, I begin these conversations with that theological uh, framework. But let's look at some uh, some some practical thoughts uh, around this idea of of forgiveness. Uh, one of the very first questions that I ask uh, when I'm doing premarital counseling is this: Is there anyone who could come up to you today? and ask you for forgiveness, and you would refuse to forgive them, or you would have a hard time forgiving them. Uh, I ask that question because uh, a lack of forgiveness and, uh, and bitterness is one of the most destructive sins around. One person has said, uh, unforgiveness is the poison we drink, hoping others will die. And that is very true. I, I've seen that happen, uh, and particularly in a marriage context, Uh, I want to make sure that the future husband and wife have all of their debts taken care of uh, in terms of conflict uh, resolution. Uh, Some of you uh, listening to this may know experientially what I'm talking about. When someone sins against you, uh, instead of sinning, or I'm sorry, uh, instead of forgiving them, you grow bitter. And it's like literally living inside of a prison. And here's the interesting thing about sin. When you're confronted with this reality, your hard heart refuses to deal with the problem. When someone sins against you and they ask you for forgiveness and you withhold forgiveness and you become bitter and you are imprisoned and you know you are imprisoned, You choose to stay in the prison knowingly rather than confessing and repenting from your sin. All of us, myself included, have that tendency to be sinning, to know that I'm experiencing the consequences of my sin, and yet, in the hardness of my own heart, I continue to engage in that sin 
anyway. And that really shows the corruptness of the heart. It shows one of the reasons why I believe that evidence is never sufficient to convince someone to repent uh, because uh, it doesn't deal with the heart. And so that's uh, the role of the Holy Spirit through regeneration. So uh, anyway, continuing on here, of primary importance in this issue with forgiveness is having a humble disposition where you are willing to die to yourself. You can know all of the practical theology in the world. You can know how to deal with sin and forgiveness and bitterness. You can teach seminars on it. But if you harden your heart, that knowledge will do you no good. So from here on out, all of the biblical truth that I'm going to discuss is going to require humble hearts. If you are going to try to apply uh, the truth of Scripture, and yet your heart is not humble, then uh, you're not going to succeed in that. When someone sins against you, they owe you something, okay? Um, They are in debt to you. If someone steals from you, for instance, um, they have, and and by the way, we had a yard sale recently, and I discovered uh, that one of my tools uh, from clearly in the not yard sale section of our garage was uh, was taken, and uh, it's very frustrating uh, to 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 go in there and to say where's you know this tool, and you realize that um, you realize what happened. Someone someone swiped it. Uh, when when someone steals from you, they're in debt to you to make it as if it never happened in the first first place. So um, so so you might have. If they stole something from you, someone would uh, repay you for what they stole, and yet they would also play uh, pay extra in order to compensate for your loss of resources. This is why human justice is almost always lacking because you can never get things back to how they used to be. Uh, a murder is an excellent example of this because no matter how much you regret your actions, no matter how much you apologize, no matter how much you know justice you get from the law courts, you can never bring that person back and make it as if it never happened. Um, and so, so you're always going to be in need, essentially, of a greater level of justice than the justice system can provide. The primary Greek word... Uh, the New Testament for forgive, and, and this is actually um, applicable here because we're talking about the fact that when someone sins against you, there's a debt that's owed. Well, uh, take that idea and bring that to the New Testament Greek word for forgive, the primary word, um, is a word that means, uh, according to one lexicon, uh, this, to release from legal or moral obligation. Uh, in other words, you're canceling a debt. And so, When I sin against someone, there is a debt owed, and forgiveness is the releasing or canceling of that debt that's owed. And so when you uh, extend forgiveness to a person, what you are doing is you are making essentially a contractual agreement that you are releasing them from the debt that they owe you. So when I snap at my wife, for instance, and I ask for forgiveness, and when she extends forgiveness, what she is doing is releasing me from any debt that I owe her for my action. In his book, uh, The Peacemaker, Ken Sandy uh, notes that forgiveness makes four promises. Uh, Number one, I will not dwell on this incident. Number two, I will not bring up this incident again and use it against you. 
Number three, I will not talk to others about this incident. And number four, I will not let this incident stand between us or hinder our personal relationship. In other words, you're not keeping track. You don't have an Excel spreadsheet somewhere where every time someone offends you or sins against you, you know, you're logging that down uh, and tracking it somewhere. You're just, you're not dealing with, with it on, on that level of just of uh, cataloging all the wrongs. Let me read to you. A helpful example. This is uh, a, a paragraph that I'm going to read here um, that I think helps to illustrate this idea of forgiveness. Um, but uh, the the paragraph says this quote: "Loving actions can do much more than change your feelings. They can also communicate in unmistakable terms the reality of your forgiveness and your commitment to reconciliation." Thomas Edison. Uh, apparently understood this principle when he and his staff were developing the incandescent light bulb. It took hundreds of hours to manufacture a single bulb. One day, after finishing a bulb, he handed it to a young errand boy and asked him to take it upstairs to the testing room. As the boy turned and started up the stairs, he stumbled and fell, and the bulb shattered on the steps. Instead of rebuking the boy, Edison reassured him and then turned to his staff and told him to start working on another bulb. When it was completed several days later, Edison demonstrated the reality of his forgiveness in the most powerful way possible. He walked over to the same boy, handed him the bulb, and said, please take this up to the testing room. Imagine how that boy must have felt. He knew that he didn't deserve to be trusted with his responsibility again, and yet, here as it was, being offered to him as though nothing had ever happened. Um, and I'll end, end the quote there. Um, and so you've got this example of this releasing of a debt and this idea that I am not going to hold this against you anymore. And it is really played out in very practical terms. And this really needs to define the way that we even engage in forgiveness with each other, where um, there is kind of that restoration. Now, on the other hand, I will say this. Forgiveness does not always result in a removal of consequences. Uh, And let's just take uh, our previous example of murder. Um, I can forgive a murderer, and yet they still must deal with the law. Uh, This this happened uh, in David's case. So after David commits adultery with Bathsheba, and then he murders her husband, we read these words in 2 Samuel 12. David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord also has put away your sin, you shall not die. So God has forgiven David. Nevertheless, because by this deed you have utterly scorned the Lord, the child who is born to you shall die. And so part of living in the fallen world that we live in is uh, when forgiveness is given, uh, genuinely given, uh, there may be situations uh, in which the consequences are are still there. And, and as I mentioned, murder is one in our own culture where I can forgive someone and yet they have um, committed a crime and are still uh, in prison for that. So forgiveness does not preclude the possibility of consequences uh, and it doesn't exempt people from obedience to the law. Now, along with this, realize that forgiveness is not excusing. Uh, this is why... Um, for example, my preference, um, and I don't, I know that not everyone would necessarily agree on, on this, but my preference is that we specifically ask for forgiveness and specifically grant forgiveness. In other words, will you forgive me 
yes, I will forgive you. Now, of course, will you forgive me? You could list out the things that you're asking forgiveness for. But but I'm, I'm specifically talking about the terms the term forgive. Um, I think sometimes people mean the right thing, but I'm honestly a little bit uneasy with the, the simple, I'm sorry, it's okay, you know, or I'm sorry, don't worry about it, or I'm sorry, oh, it's okay, it's no big deal, uh, especially that no big deal part. The reason that I'm a little bit hesitant with that language is um, because it really doesn't acknowledge the transaction that's taking place and that a debt really is owed. Um, when I say I'm sorry and the person responds, don't worry about it or, you know, no problem or it's okay, um, you know, I mean, maybe I'd do that if I accidentally bump into somebody. But when we're talking in terms of sin, uh, what happens is it seems to brush the problem kind of um, – under the rug. I mean, this this idea really has, I think, a low view of sin where when I say, oh, don't worry about it, it's like, well, it's not that big of a deal. And the reality is it is a big deal. Um, I, I remember one time someone had come up to me um, who really, th- this, this language was not part of their um, vocabulary um, that I was aware of. And they were uh, apologizing for something that they did, and they were not being real specific about it. They weren't acknowledging that it was sin against me as much as, you know, hey, I'm sorry, you know, and quick brush it off kind of thing. Uh, And I, I did say, I specifically responded with, you know, I forgive you, um, and, that when I said that, the, the rest of the conversation was was very awkward. There was some awkward interaction, and I knew that they felt uneasy because I said I forgive you. They had wanted me to say it's okay, it was nothing, don't worry about it. Um, but by saying that I forgave them, there was something important that I did, and I acknowledged that they did indeed sin. I wasn't being cavalier with their sin in that situation. Um, I'm not saying I'm always right in that area, but but in that particular instance, I wasn't being cavalier. I acknowledged it, and I acknowledged the seriousness of it. And in order to release a debt, I've got to acknowledge a debt. And by being intentional with my language, I have an opportunity to deal with the problem at its root. And again, I, I'm suggesting that um, uh, when we ask for forgiveness, that we're very specific about the external action as well as the internal motivation of the heart. Um, I'm so, uh, well. I'm sorry that I did X, Y, and Z. Uh, it's because my heart is here. Will you forgive me for that? Yes, I will forgive you. I want to give us just a few principles of forgiveness that uh, I hope will be uh, helpful here um, as we kind of wrap up um, that may be very uh, practical in nature. But the first one is this. uh, Keep short accounts. Uh, By withholding forgiveness, you are only harboring bitterness, which is itself a sin. And as I mentioned earlier, bitterness destroys everything that it touches. And this is why... I specifically go over this when I'm doing premarital counseling because even if there's someone else uh, with whom you will not extend forgiveness to, eventually that will um, come over into your marriage and you'll start withholding 
forgiveness from your spouse or at least kind of your bitterness and anger and frustration and um, wrong attitude will kind of spill over into that marriage relationship. And so you want to keep short accounts. Secondly, uh, demonstrate humility. Um, Be willing to acknowledge where you've contributed to the problem. Be willing to take the log out of your own eye. Demonstrating humility is probably the hardest part. Uh, because we want people to pay so badly. I want you to pay for what you did to me. And that's exactly the attitude that we have to give up. Uh, one verse that comes to mind, Philippians 2, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Well, each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And so having that others focus um, in my humility. Uh, third one here is just be ready to forgive. Um if, if someone doesn't ask you for forgiveness, um, the transaction cannot be fully completed. It's not a full-orbed, complete, 100% transaction that takes place. And yet, you can also have uh, a forgiving disposition and be ready to forgive someone if they should ask you. Um, I will say here to keep in mind that... Uh, their sin doesn't need to control you. And so if you have done what God has called you to do biblically in resolving a conflict, and I'm not just saying you quickly did something and, okay, they didn't answer me in the first time. I mean, you've pursued this person. You've been humble. You've been um, just seeking to be Christ-honoring, and you've done everything that you can, and you just cannot resolve this conflict. Um, and they're just not willing to, um, you know, admit to their side or whatever it might be, uh, do understand that that sin does not have to, their sin does not have to enslave you. Um, now you do need to do everything on your side to confess and repent of what you've contributed to the conflict. And as I mentioned previously, I think last time, um, almost certainly you've contributed something to the conflict. It's very rare that um, it would be 100% on one person. But um, So be, be willing to uh, and ready to confess your side, but also at the end of the day, um, if they just won't change, um, you know, don't let that uh, enslave you. Number four, uh, consider letting love cover the sin. There are times when we should consider allow, uh, allowing love to, as the Bible says, cover a multitude of sins. Um, be careful about being nitpicky about every little thing um, that that whoever, your spouse or whoever does against you. Just kind of take it and just move on uh, and, and don't allow that to fester and, and become uh, cause you to become bitter. Uh, number five, uh, use intentional language. I kind of already mentioned this before. But just uh, specifically want to state it here as well. Just uh, I'm suggesting that we use the word forgive um, instead of just, you know, I'm sorry. Okay. Um, actually, that use that transactional language of, of releasing that debt. Number six, exercise self-control. Uh, Proverbs 15.1, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And our tendency in these moments is to get very heated, um, is to get offended, which only increases conflict. Um, be willing to give that soft answer even when someone else is trying to stir the pot, so to speak. And then I want to also mention as well, uh, those are just some thoughts that I had. 
Uh, again, Ken Sandy's book on uh, peacemaking, uh, it's called The Peacemaker, probably um, really the best book on the subject. I suggest that you get that a copy of that book. But he gives us uh, four principles to keep in mind, and I'll just list those here as well. I think those are helpful. He says, uh, number one, glorify God, uh, which obviously should temper everything that we do. Number two, get the log out of your own eye. Number three, gently restore. Uh, and then number four, go and be reconciled. And I don't know, maybe you're listening to this and you've got a conflict uh, that needs to be resolved. And so um, I just encourage you um, to, to to go and reconcile that. And let me encourage you as well, if you did not listen to last week's podcast, which is part one, I uh, really encourage you to go back and, uh, and listen to that because that gives some of the fr- uh, framework and foundation uh, even for what we're uh, talking about this week. And so... Um, just uh, just uh, hope that you're uh, encouraged by that and uh, really admonished to uh, live at peace with all people as, uh, as much as possible. Thanks for listening to Crossview Radio. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We meet Sundays at 10 a.m. at the Orville YMCA. To find out more about Crossview Church, visit us online at crossvieworville.com.